So, Michaela, mm-hmm. what is the worst airline travel experience you've ever had? Uh, probably when I took my autistic son on his first aeroplane ride at two years old. And he was really excited until he saw what an aeroplane was. And we had to walk out on the tarmac to get on the airplane. But he decided at that point um, to not want to get on the plane. And because they <laughs> let me on first because I had a child, that everybody was behind me. So <laughs> he decided every step up he would hang on to the side rails. So once we got in the aircraft, he then decided, because I was first, that he would grab onto every seat. And, of course, we'll see at the back of the plane. So I basically held the whole plane up. We made it late, and I was first on the plane. And I could just see everyone looking at me, please don't be sitting near me, please don't be sitting near me. (laughs) Uh, And so it was lucky it was only from Brisbane to Newcastle, but it was the worst 90 minutes of my life to there and back. So has he ever been on a plane with you since? No. Oh, poor kid. <laughs> I know, and that was like five years ago. So I think maybe I'm ready to deal with it again. You, you Let's just see. need to take an entourage with you to help. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Trainings Business Show, helping you get off the tools and into true business ownership so you can spend more time doing the things that matter most. Now, here are your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Michaela Clark. And welcome back to another episode of the Tradies International Travel Show. Uh, man, that that must have been horrendous. But you gotta you gotta give the kid an opportunity. You gotta give him a second bite at the cherry, Michaela. I know, man. I should have asked you the top question. You know, have you been the Mile High Club? <laughs> well, you didn't. So uh, unlucky for you. And uh, as I looked out the window, I just saw a drone fly past my window. Can you believe that? Oh, uh, that was interesting. Anyway, so today's episode, <laughs> we're not talking about drones or aeroplanes, and we're not talking to a pilot. We we are talking again to uh, Commissioner Griffin from the Queensland Building and Construction Commission. So after our last uh, session we did with these guys, they actually asked us uh, to canvas our listeners, which we did, and thank you to all of those that gave us feedback about what you wanted to ask the QBCC. So um, we had some interesting <laughs> questions that... People wanted us to table, but uh, we, we took... did filter. We yeah. did filter them Slightly. and maybe reword a few yeah. to uh, be a little bit more welcoming. Steve, <laughs> Commissioner Griffin does wear a suit and a tie in his office, so yeah, we just pitched the language appropriately. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but it was great to to chat to Steve again. Um, it's it's amazing going to his office how uh, how laid back it really is. Actually, I mean the guy heads up one of the biggest building commissions uh, in the country. And, um, you know, it was just like having a yarn. And if you don't like the Rabbitohs, you wouldn't like his office. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, we did bring that up in the episode. But uh, <laughs> anyway, there's some great stuff in here. And, and that they are planning some more changes that they want to roll out later in 2015. And uh, I think another one is about to get announced or is, uh, is you know, just been announced. So um, lots of changes coming and certainly a very progressive uh, organisation. So I think you'll get a lot out of this episode. Yeah, and if there's any questions we didn't answer, uh, make sure to – or ask. I should have said asked, shouldn't I? Yeah, yes, ask the, or answer. better grammar. Yes, uh, let us know. Uh, I'm sure we can hit them up again and uh, make it um, a great way to communicate um, all parties to mm. find out what they really need to know about to take their business forward. So 
Let's go. So, welcome back to the show, Commissioner Griffin from uh, QBCC. Thanks, Warwick. Good to have you uh, on again, and uh, it's nice to come and have, uh, I guess, another bite at the apple and <laughs> and uh, come back to you with... Have as many bites as you like. With, I guess, some more feedback today is what uh, we, we'd really like to bring to the table, and we've... We've put the message out to some of our listeners via social media um, and our email database, and uh, maybe we should have planned that a little better because we did actually get a flood of, uh, <laughs> of feedback. Good. So we may be able to cover everything today, but yeah. um, a theme that, that ran through some of the feedback that we got and some of the questions raised by listeners uh, was, I guess, for me to uh, rephrase that around uh, contractors as professionals and I would draw some parallels potentially to organisations like the CPA, so the accountants groups or, uh, you know, financial planners, um, rightly or wrongly. Yeah. But, um, but I, I think moving towards something that consumers really see that members of an organisation carry some more credibility uh, than people who aren't members. Yeah. Um, is there... You know, any views, and I think we talked about this in our last interview with you, but, you know, like some sort of point system for continuing education or, uh, I mean, what what are your thoughts on that, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. This is one area where um, I'm, I'm very strong on is making sure we professionalise the industry because that gives people peace of mind that they're dealing with people that are really competent in what they're doing. So we are planning to introduce a continual professional development scheme uh, later this year, if not early next year. Um, that, um, first of all, it will be voluntary to start because it's a huge cultural change for the industry to make, but it needs to head in that direction. Uh, customers simply aren't going to be confident that they're dealing with competent people unless they, they feel like when they go to a doctor or they go to a lawyer that they know they're kept up to date with the latest things that are happening in the industry. So um, it's, a, it's something we're headed towards and we're really keen to get that started. So, as I said, later this year... Uh, and it will be points. So we want to make it as simple and seamless as possible. That uh, You'll attend uh, or go online and do activities, and those points will be automatically collected in our database for you. You won't have to do a thing other than do those activities. And we'll also talk to industry and agree with them what are the real things we should be focusing on. And clearly people paying their bills when they're full due and, and, and keeping good records and, and contracting well are, are key features of things that we want people to do. Mm. Historically, I've been around 15 years in this space in, and simply we have good tradespeople and good people know technically what to do, but they simply can't run a business very well. And that's when they, unfortunately, it falls down when they just don't get the paperwork right and then that sort of leads their business down the wrong path. Yep, yep. And... Uh, it's something Carla and I were talking about uh, on the trip over to your office, yeah. uh, and Matt, I have to say, <laughs> I can see a Rabbitohs uh, banner in the background, so I think you'd be pretty happy about that, wouldn't you? I would, yes. <laughs> My father used to play for them. So, right, very good. Yeah, many, many years ago, so right. I'm, a, I'm a Rabbitohs supporter. Good. Yeah, yeah long-suffering, long-suffering man. <laughs> <laughs> um, you yeah. guys should all get medals, I think. Yeah, uh, 40, 41 years we're waiting, so yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying for repeat again this year. So. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, a bit off topic there, but not at um, all. Keep on. That's my topic. <laughs> <laughs> Stay on the football. That's yeah. safe. Yeah, yeah. So I guess some of the feedback, a lot of the feedback that we got generally was that um, with this trying to be more of a professional organisation and, and and looking at increasing the um, professionalism of licensed contractors, that there is still a lot of unlicensed contractors out there that don't have insurance and aren't doing the right thing undercutting and winning jobs and taking away from people that are doing the right thing. 
and uh, whether there's enough being done to crack down on, on licensed contractors because really the, the does the public really understand the difference and the benefits of having a licensed contractor. So that was probably some of the biggest feedback that we got. It's a problem in the industry and it's still happening. What are you looking forward to doing with that? Yeah, look, I get that at every meeting I go to, <laughs> Michaela, is that, is that um, and I think it's a historical one. The actual, we are out there doing a lot more than ever and I encourage people to go on our website and have a look. Every week we're putting uh, information on there about the sort of unlicensed programs we've done and who we've taken action against. Um, it, some some stats, and I hate using stats, but of all the sites we visit, we're finding around about two three percent unlicensed. So the numbers aren't high, um, but um, that's not acceptable. Really, we want everyone to to be compliant. Um, so we're doing a lot more in that space. We're sending a lot more people out and doing compliance work. We're actually doing proactive work. We're actually um, doing um, some surveillance. We've got a surveillance capacity now to actually follow people around who are doing the wrong thing. Um, one recent uh, matter where we got was those Irish itinerant workers who come in from year to year. Recently, we got a good conviction. Uh, fortunately, it's gone back to Ireland, but the conviction we got was stopping from coming back. It's those sort of people that we need to focus on, and we're doing that now like we never have before. Mm-hmm. So we're very cognizant of that. The other thing that we really do want to focus on and a real big media campaign for us um, going forward is educating consumers Mm. about only using licensed people. Um, And if they do that, what what are the benefits in that for them? And clearly, they're going to make sure that they can get someone who's competent Mm -hmm. uh, and also that there's a protection system when they do. Because if you deal with someone who's not licensed... Commission can't do anything to help you, really. Yeah. We can't force an unlicensed person to come back and fix something, mm-hmm. and there's certainly the unlicensed persons won't have access to home or insurance for, for, for senior being at work. So um, every opportunity we get, every media opportunity I get, I keep repeating that message, but obviously we need we need some sort of marketing campaign large, and that's what we're looking to do next next financial year. Okay. Because okay. it was certainly, uh, and one of the specific comments um, that came back, from a, a landscaper um, mm. was that in the 10 years of doing business and they're quite a successful landscaping company mm. um, they hadn't been asked about licensing or you know whether they were licensed once yeah. uh, and it, it was some of the common feedback is you know they really felt like they're doing the right thing and yeah. spending the money and you know actually educating themselves and running yeah. all the great systems and all that sort yeah. of stuff and and as Michael said, uh, and to use the words of, of uh, one of our listeners, he said, you know, I'm getting undercut by these other turkeys yeah. uh, who aren't doing all that stuff. So, yeah. unfortunately, consumers aren't really educated. I know you guys are, yeah. are working towards that. But yeah, they're certainly creating a level playing field. There's a real focus for us. But um, what we're also doing, um, we're changing uh, contracts and the way people go about contract. But the important part of that is we're going to have a one-page consumer checklist and the very top of that checklist is check that your, your um, contract is licensed. So, and the consumer won't be able to enter in a contract until they've read that, ticked all the boxes, and signed off on it. So that be a way for us to make sure mm-hmm. that customers, even though you might do some advertising, they're not thinking about it until they're at that point of transaction. So yeah. we'll also do that. But the point of transaction, when it comes to signing a contract, bang, they'll say, okay, where's your license? So you need something to remind them. Mm. So we're going to put that in this in this consumer guide as first part of the contract. So that's pretty important as well. Um, so we'll be rolling out a range of things like that. we also got a consumer app, which you can put on your iPad or iPhone and, and, and Android. Uh, and we're marking that to, 
to consumers at a very early stage, even before they start thinking about building or renovating. And part of that is to check that you've got your li- that person's licensed and, and check their history with us before they enter in a contract. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we're uh, not here to necessarily just put you in the hot seat, Steve, but uh, right. we, we have had quite a bit of positive feedback um, from contractors as well, saying that since the change from the BSA to the QBCC, they've noticed that, you know, instead of that, uh, I guess, uh, you know, punitive regulator approach, it really is supportive of people who are licensed. Yeah. Um, so they did, they, they did say that that's been quite noticeable. Right. Um, and I'm sure you're getting that, that feedback as well. Um, one, one particular thing that's, that's popped up a few times is with contracts, you know, so any works over 3,000 or whatever the threshold is, it's almost like there's this, there seems to be this massive jump into a, a huge contract which yeah. scares both, you know, the contractor and the consumer. Yeah. Yeah. Are there plans in the works to, to change that as well? Yeah, it's part of what I told you about earlier, change of contracting. We're actually uh, looking at having a threshold of $20,000 where you really only require that one page and another one page. So very simple, you know, basically quote and, and that's it, really. Yeah. Um, and leaving the, the multi-page contract to something more significant because clearly... You don't need that level of paperwork for something under 20 grand. You just yeah. certainly don't. So that is on its way. I just got to talk to the new government about that. And those reforms were um, put through Parliament last year, just that we need to um, finalise some regulation to commence those hopefully later this year. Because we want to get rid of that red ta- you know, bureaucratic red tape and paperwork that people have to do mm. for simple work. You know, just I want to go and get fin- fence fixed or whatever. Yep. Uh, do a bit of landscaping and I've got this wad of paper I have to sift through. It's simply not necessary either for the consumer or the, or the tr- contractor, quite frankly. Mm. So in the not too distant future, we'll, we'll fix that. And it'll be a very simple one or two pager. You fill that in, your customer's happy, get on, get on with the job. So, Steve, another, I guess, gripe, and uh, I, I hope we're not the only ones that come and do this to you, mate. You're not. But... Um, <laughs> Is, is around this whole subcontractors getting paid. You know, it's a huge yeah. issue and, and uh, you know, it's not something that I think you guys are going to be able to solve in the, the next three or four weeks. But um, I suppose it's, it seems to be this recurring theme of particularly where subcontractors are doing works for bigger companies yeah. uh, and they're pretty much being held to ransom over the fact that, well, you know, we can't pay you until we get paid, which, which is... Well, it's unfair, and that's a bit of a whinge, but it, it seems a little, uh, I guess, unethical as well to, to really push that cash flow issue down to the smallest fish in the pond. Uh, what, what's QBCC's role, if any, in cleaning that up or changing that behaviour? Yeah, look, and thank you. I, I think um, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of lack of information out there about what we can do. First of all, certainly like subcontractors, and, and there's an imbalance of power between the principal contractor and subcontractor, and that's been around for you know, 30, 40 years. Yep. Um, and and the, the government is looking at that. Um, the discussion papers were released last year, and, and there's another discussion paper going out soon about what can we do in that space? What, what better protection can give subcontractors to make sure they get paid at the end of the day, particularly when companies go, go into liquidation? Mm. But there are things in place already that people need to know about. So if you're a subcontractor and, you, and you're finding a principal contractor is not paying you um, or they're, they're questioning your payment, then that's where the cyber uh, comes in. And so people can come to the commission 24-7 
and we can start that process for you. And that changed back in November. So you don't go to a, a nominating authority anymore. You come to the commission and we get an adjudicator allocated within a couple of days and they go out and, and, and resolve that payment dispute. So that's a dispute payment dispute process. Mm-hmm. If you've got if you've got an invoice that's outstanding and you're payable and they're not paying it, then that's where we also are helpful. So we've changed our financial account for licensing um, regulation last year, mm-hmm. and we've been very successful so far getting back $1.5 million for subcontractors who haven't been paid. And so people that, if subcontractors out there are not getting paid, come to the commission. Um, there's a there's a, also a form, you know, it's another form, but it's an <laughs> online form, fill it in, and we start the process of chasing uh, the, the principal contractor for the money. Um, we've been very successful, as I said, a lot of payment plans in place, um, and and we've suspended many licences because of that. Because if you don't pay, then we don't believe you should be in the industry. So I encourage people to use that new service. It's been only been around since October last year, mm-hmm. but we will go out and get that money for you um, if we can. Um, obviously, where we, where we can't, you obviously have to go into the court system, but yep. we'll have a first good go at getting your money back for you. Um, obviously, that doesn't help if... if the, the company goes into liquidation. And that's something, as I said earlier, that's part of what government's got to have a look at. Can it do more to protect subcontractors in those circumstances? Um, and so it needs to work its way through that. It, it's uh, it's one of those issues, obviously, obviously subcontractors feel they're really hard to done by and the, and the builders will feel that, that if we do if something's done differently, then they're going to have problems as well. So it, mm. it's going to be sort of a... Uh, a difficult policy area to get into, but I think everyone agrees it, it needs some more work. There's no doubt about that. It's a tough one because you're really uh, sort of stepping out of that, um, I suppose, industry regulator-type role to trying to get people to run their businesses better um, so they can pay their bills uh, and striking that balance between uh, legislation and regulation and, uh, I guess, education on the other side of the fence. Yeah, there are some some big um, building companies that do this already. They have trust accounts where they, they get payments from their, their developers or, or their, their customers and they put it into trust and, and do that. And, yep. and, and particularly retentions go into a trust. And, and that's great. And, and that's... It's for governments. It's a decision whether you actually step into the free market or you leave it the market to determine itself. Yeah. Uh, I think you know there's two schools of thought in relation to that. But I think there's been a lot of pain and suffering on the side of, you know, a mis- symmetry of information, if you like to call it economics. That subcontractors don't a lot of the power, a lot of information where these large building companies do. Mm. And what do you do to address that symmetry information mm. um, and that imbalance of power? And I think, um, you know, governments around Australia are really struggling with that whole thing. Uh, and we, we, you're seeing frequently subcontractors lose out when companies go into liquidation. And it's a matter, I think, that governments around Australia are looking at. I know New South Wales is doing something in this space. Um, and so that's encouraging to see. Yep. So one thing that came up around that was whether um, larger companies or those to the close to the financial criteria should be made to report more regularly um, because they often you know a lot can happen and, and they can go down in the meantime. Yeah. So what do you um, feel about that? Yeah, look, we used to get um, companies to report every year, yeah. um, and it, it's a point in time. Um, yeah. And we've seen from experience, um, I can have a nice good financials today yep. and I can whip $100 million out and it's gone tomorrow. So that doesn't help too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we changed all that. Um, so we only require financial, full financials 
when you first get a license or go to another category, which increases the risk. So, but we, we won't have better understanding of what happens. So we've got connections with the credit reference associations. Um, and we, we, we listen intently. People bring us up and tell us they're owed money. So there's a lot more information for us now to tell us who's not financial rather than just waiting around for an annual return to be put in once mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. We're actually, our eyes and ears are much more open to what's happening in the industry and we're hearing when people aren't paying their Bunnings account or their Masters account and then we, then we're ringing them up and also sending them a notice to say, we want your financials now. We, you, we, we want you to prove that you are financial. So that's a huge change we've made. Rather than sitting back passively and waiting for a once a year return that probably told us nothing. Yep. Um, quite frankly, when I got here, I, I asked them about that. I said, we had 53,000 returns put every year. I said, how many did we action? 12. So clearly... That, and it was costing people five, six, ten yeah. grand to do them. Yeah. So clearly, it wasn't serving the purpose of what we're after. So what we wanted is something less intrusive, but we're actually at the hearing where people are having issues and actually investigating it rather than mm. sitting back and waiting. Yeah. And that's a key feature of what we're doing now. And I think that's far, puts everyone in a far better place than what we had previously. So really, for for a contractor listening to the show, they they need to be proactive, particularly subcontractors, which which are a lot of our listeners, and g'day to all the big uh, the big corporate uh, sure. top end of town that are listening as well. Um, and certainly, we're not bashing any sector of the industry, but it really is for um, people in business to be proactive and get in touch with the QBCC if they are having issues um, or if they do become aware of information about a company not paying or whatever it might be. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I know, look, Australian culture, we tend not to, might to be dobbers, right? And that's, that's true. And in, in the building industry, it's even stronger. Yep. Um, and that's just the way. And you tend not to want to bite the hand that feeds you. And, that, and that's and that's just culturally the way it's been. Mm. Uh, particularly from a regional Queensland, I might be working for the same principal contract. And if I put in a Vesipa claim or something, then I might not get any work. And that's hard. Yep. Um, so um, people can, what I'm saying is people can make calls anonymously to us. Uh, as I said, one three nine triple three twenty four seven, and let us know what's happening out there. That gives us a bit of indication. We can then investigate that and follow that through. So even though you might feel, um, yeah, I don't want to put any formal in, or, or, or you know, that might get me into strife, it's better that you let us know so we can know what's going on out there and we can investigate it. Mm. Um, if we don't know, then we can't, and that's that's a big problem for us. So. If everyone has is our eyes and ears out there, we're much appreciated if we can do that. And and that will make sure if, if you're having that problem, there'll be many other subcontracts having the subproblem, you're just not talking about it. Mm. Um, and if all of them are coming to us and we can very quickly jump on a problem, make sure it's not a bigger one. Yeah, great, great advice. Is there any news or updates you've had since we last chatted that you'd like to promote or chat about? Yeah, the big thing, big thing for us is to make sure people are aware that, um, you know, we're doing a lot more stuff online, a lot more digitally. Not to do some future, we'll have a contractor app that you can put on your smartphone and just do all your business with us, get your home or insurance certificates, um, get renew your license, all that sort of stuff. Um, we want to make it simple and easy for our customers to do business with us uh, and be there for them when they have an issue, like we said earlier. Um, so um, please give us your feedback. Um, if, if we haven't come back to you when you've given your feedback, my apologies, but we, we've got a customer um, officer who actually actively every day goes and contacts people after we've surveyed them to find out what the cause of the issue was 
And I have a leadership team here in the commission that the first thing we look at every Tuesday morning is what our customers are saying to us and fixing things that if people are telling us systemically we have an issue and fixing that because that's what we do. We're running a customer-centric business and we continue to listen to our customers. So any feedback you've got for us is more than welcome. So since October with the money's owed, uh, how have your results have been so far? Yeah, Michaela, we've had... Um, it's been pretty slow, but 462 debts lodged with the Commission, a value of about uh, $8.3 million, and we've been successful at getting $1.5 million paid, paid to subbies. Um, we've issued 172 notices for suspension. We've actually um, cancelled uh, 50 um, people uh, and suspended many more licences, and that's pretty good. Um, 28 repayment arrangements been entered to and three repayment arrangements been completed. So we are quite successful in getting people their money back. Um, so I encourage people to put in a money's aid form with us and let us try and chase your money up for you. Um, so um, we've, we've about 66% of people come to us with money's aid are, are subcontractors, 32% are suppliers. We've had 1% employees, 1% other, well, that is. But nevertheless, people are should be aware that we do provide that service. It's a free service, you don't have to pay anything. Um, and it's the, it's the first port of call if you're not getting paid in the industry is to come to the Commission and allow us to try and chase that money up for you. Yeah. And what sort of timeframes do you work with once someone lodges? How's the process work? Yeah, look, it, again, it could take some time. Look, yeah. we're, we want to make sure, you know, we'll certainly give a, a, a principal contractor some time to pay. And sometimes they might sort of have a reason or want to dispute it. And so we'll go through that with them. But at the end of the day, we don't leave it hanging too long. So I think um, generally 28 days is usually about a month is what yeah. they're taking. Um, sometimes it could be the next day. You just don't know, depending upon yeah. how quickly... Um, the, the head contractor agrees that they actually have an outstanding invoice. Yeah. yeah. So once uh, the subby or, or um, contractors lodge the claim with you, mm-hmm. how long before you become involved in the process to get it actioned? Or You're pretty well straight away. Straight away. Um, yeah. it's, so we'll make a phone call uh, initially to the to the head contractor saying that we've got a got a money's aid complaint and yeah. get their initial response. Um, and and if they're over the phone if they're willing to say yeah oh I forgot or whatever yeah. then we go great and yeah. and then we contact the person who's put the put the complaint in and, and say you let us know that when that contract is paid and if it's done great yeah. uh, if not then we obviously write the letter um, we send them a notice that um, if they don't pay within a certain time we'll suspend their license uh, and sometimes that's enough the threat of losing their license causes them to, to pay their money yeah. uh, and after a period of suspension for one month if they still haven't paid then their license is cancelled yeah. Okay. So we're pretty pretty tough on it. If you're not paying your bills, um, you're going to lose your licence. And, and we think that should be a strong, uh, strong enough sort of deterrent to people not paying their bills. I guess the real thing is that people aren't hearing enough of it. So I'm pretty pleased that you've got an opportunity today to, to let people know what's happening. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's uh, because often uh, contractors don't know what to do if they're not getting paid apart yeah. from ringing and ringing and emailing uh, yeah. or going and speaking to their solicitor which costs money or QCAT uh, yeah. and they're all kind of slow um, you know, yeah. solutions. So yeah. Yeah, we, we, we prefer people to come to us first. Um, they may need to go through those processes later on but yeah. as I said, we're, we're, we're being pretty successful. It's not costing you any money. It's not delaying you too much. So I think it's a really good step to, to take is to come to us and allow us an opportunity to do that. 
Um, and plus, we're getting to hear, as, as we said earlier, getting to hear who's not paying their bills. Yeah. So that should sends alarm bells to us. So that makes us inquire more into the finances of the particular head contractor to find out why they're not paying. Um, and in some cases, that could be because they're, they're not liquid. So we, we, we move pretty quickly to, to cancel their license in those circumstances. So it's just great to be able to be do, delivering a, a new and better service to, to contractors. As I said, you know, we're offering free dispute resolution now. Um, free internal review service and this free, um, you know, money's owed um, service and, and giving free access to National Construction Code 24-7 service. So the, the builders and, and, and tubbies I go and talk to now finally are starting to feel they're getting value for their money, for their licensing fees, mm. and that's pleasing to be able to provide that to them. Yep. Yeah. Right. Great stuff. Yep. Got a question you want answered on the show? Go to tradiesbusinessshow.com. And so that was Steve Griffin from the QBCC answering your questions. And uh, I think, you know, we got through most of it. So I think that was a good, good episode and a good way to, to see where they're heading. Yep. And as Michaela said before that uh, interview, if you have any other questions you'd like asked of not just the QBCC, but we, we have a line to the New South Wales Housing Authority now as well. So... Um, Wherever you're listening in Queensland or New South Wales, uh, sorry to the Victorians. If you know somebody in Victoria, let us know and we'll go and hit them up as well. But, um, yeah, any questions you've got about licensing or the industry where it's headed or, you know, what are, what are either of those, uh, organizations doing to support you as a licensed contractor? Hit us on the Facebook page, Tradies Business Show. Go and look us up on Facebook. Drop your questions there or uh, go and grab us on the website, tradiesbusinessshow.com and uh, go to the contact page and you can email Michaela and myself directly. If you want to get a little bit closer to us and a little bit down oh. and dirty, uh, <laughs> you know, join us up the front of the plane or the back of the plane. Uh, you can go and hop into the Tradies Business Toolkit. So... This is our premium membership area, if uh, if I could call it that, um, with the emphasis on premium, perhaps. But, uh, yeah, go hit us at tradiesbusinesstoolkit.com. We've got extended interviews with some of our guests. Uh, they give us some ninja tips that you can apply in your business. There's YouTube videos, templates, uh, monthly webinars we'll be running. But probably the thing that appears to be delivering the most value is the private Facebook group. There's been some great conversations in there recently about outsourcing your quoting and estimating um, recruitment. There's been some great discussions in there amongst the members. So you can also access Michaela and I. We'll be checking in there daily to answer your questions. It's a buck for the first 30 days. And if you join before the end of June, which is coming up pretty soon, uh, you'll get ongoing access to that for just $10 a month. So uh, jump in there, check it out, a dollar for 30 days. How could you go wrong? That's it. It's like the, the business class of yeah, the show. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Do you so, like that? Yeah. So we've just now told all of our current listeners that you're flying cattle and uh, <laughs> if you want to jump into business class, it's a dollar. Geez, I wouldn't mind yeah. upgrading to business for a dollar. Yeah, have I you know. have you yeah, ever had a free upgrade, Michaela? No, but I never ask, so I think I'm going to change that. You know, you don't ask, you don't get. Isn't that what they say? Have you? It's a good point. Yeah, I got upgraded once, but it was only a domestic flight, and it was a pretty shitty version of business class. You know, I did have a boss once that was saying how he because he travelled a lot, he was really sick of the airline food and wanted to get a bit healthy, so. He changed on his frequent flyer his menu requirements and went how he wanted to go all healthy and stuff like this because he was sick of the rubbish. And then the, the first trip he had after it, he actually got upgraded 
to business class. And so there was like this steak came out and he had salad. <laughs> That's karma for you, isn't it? Isn't it? Like, oh, yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, yes, so you are an economy class. But it's a nice thing of premium economy. Yeah. And you can join the toolkit as like business class. Nice. So we promise not to not crash the plane um, as your pilot. <laughs> All your business and take your business to new heights. How's that? Oh, I think we should leave that alone <laughs> because that's not going to work out so well. And let's sign off there. So until next time, hooray. See ya. You've been listening to the Tradies Business Show with Warwick Bidwell and Michaela Clark. Want to get off the tools into true business ownership? Find out how at tradiesbusinessshow.com.